We gather here today to remember the 2023 installment of the Cincinnati Bearcats football team. A group of fine young men taken by a pack of bears from Waco, Texas, just way too soon. How many games into the season? Seven games in, they were taken from us. It was the Bearcats' fifth straight loss overall. Still looking for their first conference win in the Big 12. They'd waited years and years for this day. Some recruits signed as early as three years ago to win games at the Big 12 Conference. They haven't done that yet, and now the season is dead. Would you like a few words, Houdini, on this year's installment of the Bearcats? Why, Lord? Why, Lord, did you have to take this beautiful, beautiful ball club and turn it to what it is today? Because it, it wasn't so long ago, I remember, I think we rattled off 25 straight at the beautiful Nippert Stadium. We had guys like Des Ritter, Sauce Gardner. Uh, it's sick. It's twisted what happened. Um, but uh, honestly, that is uh, hopefully the last time that we speak on this uh, on this beloved UC football team for the rest of the season. Hopefully we can get one win in the Big 12. That's all we ask of you, Lord. Amen. Yeah, oh Lord, amen. We would love to get to a bowl game. Uh, I think the cheese it bowls off the table at this point. I think I think the only thing we can do is potentially maybe get to that Bahamas Bowl where years ago, you remember random fans were just hopping onto the field in like sandals and they're like, yeah, they're not checking credentials. We're just chilling on the field. So Bahamas Bowl would be fun or maybe the Idaho Potato Bowl and Cincinnati gets to go avenge a Mac opponent after losing to Miami of Ohio. Maybe they get OU in a bowl game. So six wins. That's all we're asking for. Probably not going to happen. It's just whether the Bearcats can get one Big 12 win because now they have to go on the road and face Oklahoma State. And you're right. When we started Chatterbox Bearcats, the goal was to cover this football team extensively. But at the end of the day, it's supply and demand. And the fans right now are not demanding Bearcats football coverage because they stink, they're not fun to watch, and there's not a whole ton to talk about. So that's that. Emory Jones is still going to be their quarterback despite not having a future at this university. And that's my last word on the football team. That is it. Do you have any last words to say, or is it time we put the shovel on the ground and call it a season? Well, we're going to have to scrap our 12-part documentary we had um, already recorded for Emory Jones, because I'm not sure that's going to get as much uh, traction as we initially planned. So, um, yeah, I, uh, clearly uh, Satterfield, the, the backups must be pretty bad because he – is pretty staunch on we're not playing anybody but Emory Jones at quarterback. And after losing five straight, you think they switch it up, but does not seem to be the case. So yeah, let's go uh, Idaho potato bowl, cheese it bowl, almond joy bowl, what, whatever they got for us. We'll, we'll gladly attend, but I don't see that happening. So, you know, good luck. All right. So we pull the audible. Now we say, what did we say last week? We said, Omaha this week we're going, Blue 32, blue 32, set. West go, Wes Miller and the uh, Bearcats hoops team enter year one of the Big 12. Hopefully they don't go 0 for in the Big 12 because that would be a very, very, very scary scene. But I'm not expecting it. It seems like based on everything Wes has been saying in his press conferences, Jameel Reynolds and Aziz Bandago, the two bigs that are right now declared and eligible by the NCAA. Wes Miller says, I don't even want to talk about our team without those two they're playing this upcoming season. He's all but alluded to it. I mean, he was basically saying that this process is not yet over. These two met every guideline. It hasn't been clear or concise. He was like, look, I'm a grown ass man. I'm 40. I'm a man. I'm 40. 
It's very difficult and confusing for me. If I can't understand it, how would these two? They came here expecting to play, and if it goes to the courts, now he didn't say this, but my sources are telling me, if it goes to the courts, they may miss two or three games. But by Eastern Washington, the Bearcats are expecting these two to be on the team. And if they are on the team, the more and more I hear out of practice, I really like what we're working with, man. I know we've said this every year since 1992. And even when Adam Rachanyuk and Herno Hall and Jamal Warren and Cedric McGowan, when that crew was running out there, Timmy Crowell, even then I was like, final four, final four before the season. I say it every year. But this team picked 11th of the Big 12. I think they could surprise some folk. I think they can surprise some folk. Surprise some folk. Thoughts? I agree. To your point, I mean, I was looking at Cedric McGowan as the you know player of the year candidate at that point as well. So it's slightly biased. But um, if they get these two guys, and from what everything I've seen is that it's kind of just like a rigmarole of it, it, whatever that word means. I'm going to say it. Um, rigmarole. Yeah, we'll a little rigmarole. It it's the rigmarole of the law. You know, you know how it is. Whatever. I've I've watched a couple seasons of Suits. I know what I'm talking about. Um, but essentially, they can just fight this in court, and then basically it goes it kicks the can down the road for like five years. What, what's the NCAA going to do at that point? Like vacate our wins from 2023. So it sounds like we don't give a shit about what the NCAA says anymore. And I'm all for that. I don't really know why they're even trying to encroach on this. Clearly all the kids that transferred, the thought was that they would pass these type of requirements in order to play, or they wouldn't have transferred. Um, so that they, they're really, I thought it was for the kids. What happened to being for the kids? This is sick what they're doing. So they're going to make them sit out for what? For what? Like, you got to make the rules clear and concise if you're going to tell these kids they can't play. But I trust, like I told you, everything that Wes says, I I trust to the fullest. So I think these kids are going to play. And, no, I see no chance um, with these two guys on the roster and everything else that they brought in and some of our returning guys that we would finish 11th in the Big 12. I I don't see that. I'm hoping for a 500-ish Big 12 um, outlook. And that's going to put us in the tournament if we do that. So that's what I'm hoping for, and that's what I'm expecting. You heard Dan Horde. He's someone that comes out and tells it how it is. I remember back in the day trying to be modest. I, I, I met Dan for the first time, and it was just trying to really show my chops and go deep into the weeds of Bearcats point guards. And I was like, yeah, this Troy Copain guy, based on everything I've seen, he kind of reminds me of like a, a little better Chad Moore. And he went, hold on, buddy. Chad Moore. Chad Moore, he's going to be way better than Chad Moore with all due respect to Chad Moore. So he does tell it like it is. He's not someone that, that sugarcoats it a whole ton. And he was pretty straight up when he said that if these two play, he would be very shocked if they're not a good, uh, he said, really good. He said, really good basketball team. So that's what we're expecting right now. We are expecting based on everything that I've heard from the inside sources in the program that these two at some point this season should be eligible. And then it goes back to, I guess the biggest question becomes who's your starting point guard. And it sounds like based out of Wes Miller's press conference on Tuesday, it'll be day day Thomas, just based on the way he talked about him. Do you hear any of that conversation? Yeah. And it's kind of what we expected, right? I, I figured we'd go with day day Thomas based on everything we've heard um, in, in worst case scenario, let's jizzle kind of get into the flow of things. And, you know, if, 
if he ends up being the player that we think he might be able to be, maybe jump into that starting lineup. But I'm not as concerned with who's in the starting five. I think it's such an overrated concept. Like, we need guys in that second unit that can keep th these games alive. Because we've seen it a few times where when our starters go out, it's like, what, what the hell? Am I watching? This looks like a JV high school game. So I'm glad either way, Day Day or Jizzle in that starting lineup, I think it makes sense to put the older kid in um, to start. Um, but I'm expecting big things. I know <laughs> I know they overrate. Basically, if you look at preseason shit, just comments, you would think that we have an all-NBA roster every year, and every team oh, does yeah. it. John so, Rothstein goes to practice. Yeah, yeah John Rothstein goes to that first practice and starts talking about him. He's like, this guy, Chris McNeil, is going to be a problem. He's really fast <laughs> in transition. And then you watch him shoot a jumper, and you're like, well, I guess Rothstein wasn't lying. He he was a problem, and he was fast in transition, but um, a problem for different reasons. But you're right, man. Overhype season. And Coach Broadbeck, our buddy, uh, defensive coordinator of the St. Xavier Bombers, biggest diehard out there. Bob Broadbeck, I know you're listening. We're, we're uh, just really building the community here on Chatterbox Bearcats. But I'll tell you what, every single year he does the same thing. He comes out and just overhypes everyone. And I say, let's let's slow our roll here a little bit. Let's watch him play a few Division One games. Let's get past the Georgia Tech game before we make any proclamations. The one that we're hearing right now is that Jameel Reynolds is going to be the next Bearcats superstar. I'm like, hold your horses. Hold your horses. Or John Newman. Wes Miller was like, yeah, John Newman was the most All impressive right. Bearcat on this team last year. I mean, he best on-ball defender of the country. I'm like, he's not Reuben Patterson. I mean, John Newman's got limitations now. I mean, isn't it good to be, you know, ignorance is bliss, though? Like, That's I'm going to be talking like the sun is shining out of my ass until somebody tells me otherwise. <laughs> So, and I do that every season. I, I like, even with the Brandon era, I'm like, give, Hey, give him some time. Give the guy some, I feel like we're kind of doing, I'm doing the same thing with Satterfield. I just refuse to believe that uh, a UC team won't be playing in March until, you know, we lose by huge, lose to Houston by 40 in the American conference championship. So it, it's tough as diehard fans. You just want to hope for the best. It's better than being the, the jackass who the second, you know, the, the, the first basket of the game is the other team. They go season's over on the first game. You know, I, we, everybody that. has a, who would, who would do such a thing? <laughs> a couple people on this pot or one person on this podcast in particular may, may do that from time to time. Hey, so. quality control. I told you I'm a staff member Houdini. I'm a member of the quality control team. And if something is not right, I point it out and I tell the truth. That's what I do. Going back to John Brandon. Cause you gave me a little segue opportunity around John Brandon always said that his identity was, he's like, this is going to be a run and gun team. We're going to fly down the floor. We're going to be the fastest team in the American. Watch this team scoot. And then year one came out and Jaron Cumberland, like couldn't run the offense. And he kind of used Jaron as the scapegoat. He's like, ah, it's just not Jaron's style. We'll figure it out next year. He tries running next year. It just, he didn't have time to figure out the offense, I guess, but that was an absolute atrocity. Wes is trying to do the same thing. And he's very confident now that they don't have, ISO players like DeJulius and Nolly that can rely on that skill set that this team's going to move pretty quickly and be pretty cohesive. And I'm excited to see it. I'm, I'm hopeful. Fingers crossed. Yeah, th there's a big difference between, you know, run and gun and just playing like complete morons. And I sometimes I feel like we blur the lines there, especially just with the Golden State Warriors. Um, everyone... The reason they're good at it is because they can fucking do it. They can play. They can shoot from, you know, 40 feet out, and it's a good shot. We don't necessarily need Jeremiah Davenport pulling up, you know, step back threes with a guy in his face. So you got to do it correctly. 
And that's the only thing that worries me um, is maybe, you know, trying too hard to be run and gun and shoot a ton of threes, shoot them in the flow of the offense. And, you know, to his point, without Landers and DeJulius as kind of our only playmakers on the team, I would assume that we're going to have a little bit more motion on offense, a little more post presence, um, hopefully with Aziz and um, slim down Jameel Reynolds. So that's probably going to be the biggest, and it's probably going to take some time. And the, the good thing is our non-conference schedule isn't necessarily a juggernaut. So I think we might be able to ease into it a little bit. Fingers no, crossed. Non-conference, yeah, non-conference is Dayton, Xavier, Georgia Tech, and I mean, I guess you could throw Howard UIC. on that list. UIC. Hey, all you could focus on is the task at hand, one game at a exactly. time. That is, that's a test. I put you up to a test right there, and you passed with flying colors, Houdini. Let's run through this whole thing. Um, point guard position, it's one of two. It's Jizzle James, the Hall of Fame pedigree freshman, son of Edron James, the Hall of Fame running back. Apparently, he has a Hall of Fame work ethic, which we love from a freshman, but hasn't put all the pieces together, and there have been some struggles, Wes Miller said. And he kind of tells it like it is. I mean, this is a guy that called John Newman the best on-ball defender in the country. So when he says that Jizzle James isn't quite there yet and has some struggles, I believe him. Meanwhile, on the other side, he said Day-Day Thomas has been really solid and just flies up and down the floor. And it's gone overlooked how good he's been in practice, but he's been one of the most consistent players on this team. So I would expect Day-Day at the one. I will say, it sounds like Simas Lukosius is really smart and surgical with the ball, doesn't have any sort of athleticism, but can shoot threes and is just decisive, makes the right moves, and he can even run a little point guard. Not going to run the... Uh, not going to run with the point guards on defense. You may have to zone if you put him in there, but he is an option. That's the point guard position. I, I want to talk about another freshman real quick. Rayvon Griffith, big time recruit, uh, blue chip, one of the highest rated recruits in, in Cincinnati history, at least in the, uh, the two, four, seven and the on three era. Feel like he's a potential superstar from day one that no one's talking about. What's the issue here? Why are we not talking about Rayvon Griffith? I guess if his name hasn't been brought up yet, they know something that I don't. And he, he may just not be that good from day one and take some time. But man, I mean, the fact that he can shoot his athleticism, he can handle it a little bit. Like, I think that he may be the most surprising player on this year's team. I hope so. I mean, it's uh, the quieter we are, it's probably for the best. I think that bodes well for the freshmen not to have a ton of pressure on them. Um, personally, I think he's going to be a solid player just to start because I, I like the way that he can shoot the ball. Um, he's long athletic. I think he can play pretty good defense. I think it's going to take him some time though with, with his handles. I think he's got to work on that a little bit. Um, but to your point, it, it's, I mean, it's a 50, 50 chance when we're talking about projecting these freshmen, is there a reason he dropped from, I mean, at one point he was what the 22nd ranked player or something and dropped down to in the fifties and sixties. Why? I don't know. Is that because he committed to UC and, uh, you know, 247 tends to just drop you immediately when that happens? If you're not committed to, you know, Kentucky or Kansas. Unless you're Jermaine um, Lawrence. <laughs> so, yeah, somehow Jermaine Lawrence decided to you know, jump into this podcast and give me PTSD because that, that ruined many, many nights for me. But um, either way, um, you know, I, I think Rayvon Griffith and Jizzle James have potential to contribute. We'll see how much. It's impossible to tell. But that's what we do here. We project. We make predictions. We project. Rayvon Griffith, rookie of the year in the Big 12. I love that. I love that. Newcomer of the year. <laughs> um, 
another player that could play the two would be CJ Frederick, big time shooter. Uh, started his career at Iowa and was shooting 50% on volume. A former Cub Calf guy went to Kentucky last year after some injuries and never really put it together. Didn't shoot well, didn't stay healthy, just did not work out whatsoever. But Wes Miller said that CJ Frederick is healthy during an entire offseason for the first time in years. So we're expecting CJ to potentially slide into that starting spot. I wouldn't imagine he would have came to Cincinnati had he not had some serious minutes lined up. So I think you can expect good things from Frederick this year. Big time bounce back in that secret scrimmage. Sounded like Dan Skillings and Seamus Lukosius led the way in scoring. Dan Skillings to me, another one of those guys that I think could burst onto the scene this year and be pretty damn good. What are your overall thoughts on Daniel? High ceiling. As we've seen, he he's he probably had the most highlight plays and he, you know, as far as volume of minutes that he played, it was nowhere close to some of the other guys on the team. But as far as highlights, like a lot of times it, it looks like, you know, a baby deer just got the basketball on the baseline and he'll just jump in the air and somehow, you know, roll it, go underneath the rim, reverse layup style. He can do a lot of things. He just needs to polish up a little bit. Um but I hope we see those improvements because he definitely needed to improve a little bit. But, you know, year by year, as far as potential, I think that's kind of our X factor. If we can get, you know, if he's a stud this year, along with those guys that are already proven, I think uh, Seamus and, um, you know, Aziz, if he's there and CJ Frederick, I think those guys can all play. If we can get something legitimate out of him and it's consistent, I think that's probably his other biggest thing is just being consistent. I think that can go a long, long way because um, I don't. It, it almost gives you a comparison. Remember Shaq Thomas? I just felt like every year we were like, he's got the tools. He's got the length. He just looks like he's got an NBA body, and it just never came to fruition. I don't think it's going to be that, but it gives me slight pause. So let, let's see what happens. But I am, yeah, I'm definitely excited about him, and I, I sound like a broken record. I think I'm excited about almost every player on the roster. So take that with a grain of salt, but he's probably the biggest X factor we have on this roster. Rodeo Guama. I mean, are you excited about him? He uh, he wasn't doing it for a long time, and I was saying, what what is Odie's future in Cincinnati? You know, is he going to potentially stay when they make the transition to the Big 12, or is he not cut out for this league? And he showed me a lot last year. I thought when he dunked on Fremantle's head uh, during that Xavier game and then beyond that point the rest of the season, I thought he was pretty good. I mean, he's limited. He's like a uh, he's like a Milky Way, you know. He's missing some ingredients. He's never going to be amazing, but he is. Uh, he's a pretty good player. And, and him and Vic down low as a a backup unit. If you are starting Jamil and Aziz, that's a hell of a like four that. or five off the bench. Yeah, we'll take that any day. The problem yeah. was when those two were in foul trouble last year. Then it was where you ran into some trouble. You'd have Davenport playing the four. I mean, he had random moments. I, I think there was a stretch where he was averaging like what sixteen a game for five games he in a row or something. Lit it up he looked against like Hofstra ben in the NIT. Yeah, he, he, he was good. dunking on everybody, blocking shots out of the gym. I, he got most improved player last year. Easy is uh, Odie. So I'm excited. I, I just don't like going to the Big Twelve as him as our starter. Him coming off the bench, little energizer bunny, dunking the ball on people. Plus, he just looks intimidating. He's jacked as hell. I love that in a power forward center type player. So hell yeah, we'll take him as a second string guy. Um, I mean, I don't even hate every now and again, throwing him in the starting lineup 
um, throwing some elbows around, getting dirty in the paint. Um, so I like him as a player for sure. I mean, it's just not a guy that I want to rely on as our you know staple in the paint. When they sent him to Big 12 Media Days to show off the the Jordan Jumpmans, the unis are back. Those blocks that every Bearcat fan had been calling for, they, they'd woken up in their dreams and had nightmares. Like, the Jordans! And 20 years later, Wes Miller gets the job done. We've been hinting at this for the longest time. I heard the rumors that the former point guard, uh, Lucas, for Jamal Lucas, that he worked at Jordan and, and Alex Meacham behind the scenes was working to get it done. And Wes Miller, obviously, with that Jordan background, having played at UNC, he was very adamant about it. And they get it done. And their first installment of Jordans are back to what they were pretty much in 2005. What a happy day for you. I would imagine when you saw those jerseys and, and we've only seen the black ones thus far, but you know they have a red one and a white one, too. How excited were you? I mean, I, I imagine you shed a tear. I was ecstatic along with the the rest of Bearcat Nation. This has been a long, long time coming. It's it's a far cry from those just every offseason they ask for it. Yeah. Horrend remember those Adidas ones? They had like Cashmere Wright repping them in the in like a magazine and he they were like checkered shorts that were down to your middle the zebras, your middle of your the Zumbas. And yeah. I I that's I also cried that day. I said it's over. I said it, the cats are over. And having the Jordan back, they, they need to get better gear in the um, just stocked on the, you know, different websites and stuff because we're still struggling. We got like three UC Jordan shirts that are kind of trash, in my opinion. I actually got scolded at the the student shop. I went in there at the during the homecoming game. And I was just looking at some cool gear in there, but majority of it was Under Armour. And I'm like looking at my buddy. I was like. They need to get this Under Armour shit out of here and start filling it up with the stuff people want. The Jordan, the Nike, and this lady who worked there just so happened to be next to me. She's like, "Hey, excuse me, sir. Under Armour is still the official sponsor of the of the UC Bearcats for the next two seasons or something." I was like, "We don't. Hey, Sheila, we don't care. We don't, we don't care. give a shit. <laughs> give me the blocks on the shorts with the Jordan logo, okay? Let me go on with my day." So apparently, yeah, I don't know. I guess they still have a deal for whatever technically with Under Armour, but. Come on, let's get the Jordan. Let's get the Nike stuff. One of these days, they'll get those blocks on the shorts and Houdanis will be a happy man. Uh, last portion of the show, I'm sure you went through the schedule and, and picked some wins and losses. How good is this team going to be this year? Your overall prediction. I'm thinking that they're uh, above 500 in the Big 12. That's my bold prediction. Are they a tournament team? We'll see. But I think they're 10 and 8 in the Big 12. Yeah, I was going to... No shocker here. I was going to say very similar along those lines. Um, hovering around 500 in the Big 12 all year because that's a that's a tough. I mean, last year I think there were a couple teams below 500 that actually got right. into the dance. So I I'll say what nine and nine in the Big 12. Um, and then if we win a couple of those non-conference games, I think we're going to be in real good shape. Obviously, this all lays on that uh, that big issue with uh, the transfer the and their eligibility. Yep. And we know we know Wes is getting them in. All right, we're, they're getting in. So I'll uh, bold prediction: we make the tournament this year. Love that. Houdini says they're making the tournament, and I'm saying postseason bound Cincinnati Bearcats. Leave it a little vague. Which postseason? I don't know. But considering there were three straight years of the Bearcats made no postseason of any sort, at this point, we will take trajectory in the right path. This is Chatterbox Bearcats. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your audio podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, recaps after games. It's going to be a good time. Hope to see you there. Go Cats.